Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to episode 39 of Double Hop Beat, taking the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. This week, we will be diving into the world of fizzy lifting drinks. I mean, hard seltzers. <laughs> and I think what's important about this episode is it's not beer, but it's an alternative to beer. So It is an alternative. But before we get into that, I have some interesting news I wanted to share with you, James. Uh-oh. Give you an, an update. Yeah, it kind of ties in with our, we've been talking about non-alcoholic craft beverages. Uh, this is a non-alcoholic beer, but I thought it was interesting, timely, uh, given our recent mini series that we did. So this week, Sam Adams announced they're launching a new non-alcoholic beer in 2021. It's going to be called Just the Haze IPA. So it's going to contain U.S. Sabro, Citra, Mosaic, and Cascade hops. So Sam Adams is describing this as just the haze packs an upfront citrus aroma with hints of grapefruit, tangerine, and lime, complemented by tropical and stone fruit notes like pineapple, guava, melon, and peach. I feel like there's a lot going on. I was just going to say, so this. did they, they list like every single flavor you could possibly get out of a hazy IPA? Like, I think so. Maybe they don't know what it tastes like, or maybe they're just keeping it broad to keep us in suspense. I don't know. From what I've read, they've actually done a lot of research. It looks like they've been working on this for the past two years. So in a press release, they stated they're launching this beer to accelerate category growth and introduce drinkers to what a craft non-alcohol... <laughs> this is sorry, sorry. What a craft non-alcoholic beer has to offer. So I feel like they are passively, aggressively <laughs> dissing all of the other non-alcoholic beer out there. Wow. But I I feel like I, hate, I was waiting for like a hazy IPA to come out for mm -hmm. a non-alcoholic beer because I feel like some of the non-alcoholic beers that I've had, like the flavor was really lacking. And just being an avid IPA fan, like, I feel like a hazy IPA, like, as they mentioned, like, you could get grapefruit flavors, you could get mm -hmm. tangerine, there's so many different fruit notes that you could get with the different hops that you choose. Um, so I think a hazy IPA might be a good one to explore. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what it comes out. Yeah, so they also said they've been close, they've been looking at the international beer space, non-alcoholic beer space for years, apparently. And they think this is a great growth opportunity for the company. Claim that they're going to show people what a craft version is like in the U.S. of non-alcoholic beer. Because it's hard to remove the alcohol and still have uh, balanced flavors. So that should be pretty interesting. That's coming up next year. So I guess once we get out of this crazy thing that is 2020, there'll be a new <laughs> Sam Adams non-alcoholic wow. beverage. Well, so just like, you know, the non-alcoholic beers and alternatives to beer, like seltzer, as I, I think... In our earlier episode, like episode one or two, I was just like, you know what? Wait for breweries to get in the hard seltzer game. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like hard seltzers were always the alternative for non-beer drinkers that wanted alcohol, but they didn't want, you know, hard alcohol necessarily by itself or mixed drinks. So it's kind of like the bridge. I, I called like hard seltzer, like the bridge between beer and, you know, like your spirits. Mm -hmm. So it's just something light and refreshing that, you know, you don't have to have all the calories necessarily. Most of them are gluten-free based mm -hmm. on the ingredients. So hard seltzers is something we're going to focus on in this episode. Um, craft breweries all over the place are diving into this mm -hmm. hardcore right now. And, you know, 
when the first brewery near us that we love going to had a hard seltzer, I'm like, wow, like, yes, they're, they're getting into the game too, because it, again, we're all about being inclusive, mm-hmm. right, at a brewery. So you want to have as many options to cater to as many different customers as you can, not only from a business standpoint, but just because you want to be inclusive. You want to have that person have a good experience as well. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I remember the first place we saw it was Two Roads in Connecticut last year. Yeah, they had all the hard seltzers on draft. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. Because like, if you're not a beer drinker, like there's something else for you. And if you don't want to drink soda, you you want to still get in the game, you still want to, you know, have that alcoholic drink, it allows them to do it. So yeah, right now, the leaders in the industry are the bigger companies that most people know, which are White Claw, Truly and Spike Seltzer. But a lot of craft beer breweries are starting to get into the industry and attempt to diversify their products. I think they're really recognizing that it's becoming a bigger trend. So they're seeing that growth in the market and wanting to capitalize on that. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I realized how big hard seltzers getting when we were on our vacation and I was on the beach with our friend Jeremy and he's a big seltzer guy, um, but he also loves craft beer but because he's allergic to hops. Um, <laughs> Basically I think, everything that's in beer. Yeah, pretty much every to. ingredient in beer he's allergic to, but he still drinks it because he loves it so much. Um, so he really loves the White Claw hard seltzers. And when we were on the beach, we actually saw multiple planes come by with advertisements for Truly and then oh. for the Corona spiked seltzer hmm. or hard seltzer. I call it spiked seltzer, hard seltzer. So, you know, it's seltzer it's with alcohol. So same thing. Um, but I was like, wow, you know, like five years ago, those would have been planes for like Bud Light or mm-hmm. Corona, like the regular beer, you know, now it's like, all right, we need, we know our mm-hmm. clients and our, you know, customers are going to be on a beach. So let's hit that beach with our, you know, banners and get the name recognition out there. So like you were saying, Shan, like many people know, like truly, uh, the bike seltzer and also white claw. Out of those, White Claw is definitely like the bar, in my opinion. <laughs> that's um, your favorite. Uh, it's I would well, it's my favorite, but it's not like that's the bar. That's what most people like. Mm-hmm. It, when you ask most people what hard seltzer would you recommend, White Claw is like the number one. Mm-hmm. I say that I get for feedback. Yeah, I like White Claw and, and truly, Spike Seltzer is not my favorite, but. You know, yeah, when I when sometimes. I need a break from craft beer, I'll I'll have a seltzer or two. But yeah. now that more craft breweries are making it, like the flavors are just so much better, in my opinion, mm-hmm. than some of the bigger brand of seltzers. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, I think the craft breweries definitely have a better understanding of how flavor profiles work. I think they experiment a lot with their beers, so that helps them out with experimenting with the hard seltzers as well. And a lot of them are getting into this because their customers are looking for a low calorie option and also a lower alcohol content um, in their beverages. So it's really seen a boost on social media and pop culture. Like I've definitely seen a lot more advertisements on TV for Spike Seltzer. So I'm glad that craft breweries are jumping into this and seeing what they can do. And it's one of those things too, where I don't think it's just that they're trying to diversify just you know, from a, we need to grow, like our beer isn't selling well enough that we need to kind of sell customers other options to kind of make up those margins. I don't think that's it at all. I think it's more of, like you said, like customers are now more sophisticated. They're more educated. They're craft beer snobs, uh, to put it lightly. 
but it's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want to have more complex beers. You want to make more different flavor profiles that, you know, that's what craft beer is all about is just reinventing the wheel and seeing what we can do differently to kind of cater to everybody. You know, it's mm-hmm. one of those things where, you know, you might not be a hop person. You might like a nice malty beverage or you might want like more fruit flavors or sours. Um mm-hmm. So it's just one more way that a craft brewery can kind of explore with you, I would say, because most of the time, like you said, they're getting feedback from their in support from their customers where, you know, they're blunt and they're like, you know what, this one didn't taste that good. Like not a big fan of your lemon one, but Mm -hmm. yeah, this passion fruit, that's really good. You know, it's, it's feedback that in early days, I think they would kind of like hush, hush, you know, like don't, don't talk negative about my product. Like let's throw marketing down your throat but now it's you know there is some of that but it's more of they want you to have the best product that they Mm -hmm. can make possible yeah i agree and according to sales data hard seltzer has grown 140 percent year over year in the four-week period ending in july so that's a pretty good amount of growth yeah i'm I'm surprised that it's grown that much just because overall beer sales and just alcohol sales has gone down for for like the craft beer market, whereas mm-hmm. hard drinks, like people aren't drinking as much as they were before, but they're spending more. So it's, you know, you're getting quality over quantity. But you also have to think that more companies are entering the industry or into that business line. So therefore there's more product, which is being purchased, which increases the amount of sales. So there's the future MBA <laughs> right there. I got to put it to use somehow. You got to put it to use somehow. (laughs) Come on, Shannon. Yeah. So one of the other reasons that, or I don't know if it's a reason, but one of the ways that craft breweries are able to produce these beverages is because you don't need a new permit. So your, most of the times the permit that you already have to brew the beer encompasses these beverages because they're they're flavored malt beverages. So you're all set and you don't have to do anything different in terms of legal perspective. So- that's pretty helpful if you're if you own a craft brewery and you want to get into the game. Yeah, and I think something else that was interesting um, of a conversation I had while we were on vacation was just on advertising and marketing and how big of a role it has for like mm-hmm. the bigger beer companies and then how little of a role it has for craft breweries, mm-hmm. which I thought was really fascinating because here you have the kind of totally d- different dynamics. One's more of they have the money to spend on marketing, so they do it versus the other one that might not have the funds to market. Mm-hmm. So they kind of just rely on their social media and like you word said, of yeah. word of mouth and pop culture to kind of give that buzz. So mm-hmm. um, we're hopeful that we can kind of give some of that buzz to a couple breweries that we're going to yeah. mention in a minute. Yeah. Um, so first I'll just go over your favorite section of breweries which is the major breweries that are out there producing these products so (laughs) no i'm just kidding uh so we've got bud light corona which was new this year um actually i think bud light was new this year too heineken and anheuser-busch so those are the main like beer traditionally beer companies that are not that are now producing hard seltzers like truly is owned by the boston beer um company which owns a lot of divisions of alcoholic beverages. So um, apart from the three major brands that were out there before, now these four major companies have 
heart seltzer as well. And for you Bud Platinum fans out there, I know they did make a seltzer under the Platinum Mm -hmm. um, brand, and they upped the alcohol content from 5 to, I believe, 8%. Um, for that hard seltzer, so which kind of goes against the people wanting a lower alcohol content, but I guess it's so, a different so option if it's you a, want it. So it's a different option, right? It's a different take because the platinum brand was really, you know, you like your Bud Lights, but you don't want it to be as heavy, but you want the alcohol mm-hmm. content to be there. So I, I get that, and I think it's gonna do pretty well. Um, but yeah, for you platinum fans out there. I was just remembering, I thought that I heard as well that Pabst Blue Ribbon was coming out with a seltzer, but I'm not sure if they ever came through with that because that, it came out about the same time that their hard coffee beverage right. was uh, in the works. So I'm just wondering if they ever went through with it because they kind of, uh, they announced that last year and that was when this was starting to build up. So before all these other major companies came out, so I'll have to, I'll have to follow up on that. Well, while you're thinking of that, <laughs> why don't I talk about some of the craft breweries, uh, hard seltzers that I would recommend if you're in the uh, Massachusetts. Well, why don't we go through state? what we what's out there? Okay, in, what? In general, all right, fine. I'm trying can. to jump the gun here because I'm just so excited about these particular <laughs> well, craft breweries with their everyone that's not in the Northeast. True. Kind of some other options, and then you can talk about your your favorites. Well, if you're listening to this so episode and you're not from the Northeast, uh, in our post that we make for this episode. Comment on what your favorite hard seltzer is. We'd love to hear it and get your feedback. Yeah, tell us what you think. So we've got my favorite, Maui Brewing. Woot woot. It's very exciting. Two Roads, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, Solemn Oath, DC Brow, Evil Twin, Oscar Blues. Oscar Blues, right, and Kona. Yeah, and Kona. And then, so there's just just a couple. I think there's a lot more out there, but I don't want to. You know, go through a list of 50 yep. names. Lost Shoes, too. Yep. Oh, yeah, Lost Shoe. And Medusa as well, which you mm-hmm. mentioned. Yep, and then so Lost Shoe, Medusa, and Bay State are all kind of in our surrounding area. And those are the ones that you've had the most experience with uh, in the past couple of weeks. So why don't you tell us about it, James? Yeah, so I definitely recommend Medusa's Blackberry Lime. I think, like, so I kind of compared it to the White Claw Black Cherry. Um, I'm not a big cherry fan, so I think, like, it did hurt, like, you know, the White Claw, mm-hmm. my perception of, you know, comparing these two. But I was kind of like, you know what? The lime really gave, like, the fin- like a nice, like, refreshing finish to, like, the nice deeper blackberry flavor that Medusa's um, hard seltzer had. And I think it's called Fizzy-, Fizzy Cat is the name of the brand of th- they've developed these hard seltzers. Um, again, in the skinny cans, which seems to be a trend for the hard seltzers, you know, you get the smaller can, so, you know, you can take it around with you smaller so you don't have to consume as much. But it seems like everyone that I know that drinks White Claws, they consume quite a bit of those. So it kind of adds up. I don't know. It's to each your pre- preference. Mm-hmm. But one of the big negatives I found with White Claws was just the amount of sugar or that was in it that, you know, the next day, like my head was just spinning from all that sugar where I didn't want necessarily to have that much sugar. <laughs> It could be because I had beers in yeah, between, Yeah, I was going to say, James, it's because you broke the cardinal rule of drinking hard seltzers. It's that you don't mix. You just have Well, you know what? That was my dive other. into hard seltzer. So, you know. I, he woke up the next morning. And I, was I was like, like oh, my God, I'm never having hard seltzer again. And I said, that was a rookie mistake. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But my favorite of them all is Bay State uh, in Worcester, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Their pineapple and their passion fruit seltzer and now they just recently came out with this it's called bling Mm -hmm. and um 
they just went full bore with it. Uh, and I mean that in that they do the regular size cans, the 16 ounce cans, which I thought was awesome because, you know, you're keeping true to your kind of beer first and then hard seltzer second, kind of like we yep. focus on beer and, but we want to have that experience that we talked about and they want to sell it themselves. They don't want to have people, you know, they don't want to promote it. Mm -hmm. So we're promoting it for them. <laughs> so uh, kudos, Bay State. The passion fruit, what I love about that one is just so they puree using the passion fruit, which I just think is so much better than going the artificial route. And you can, being, you know, brewmasters and top of their craft for, you know, a brewery, they know like what flavors you can get by using like the best ingredients possible mm -hmm. for the product. So that just, the fruit just totally jumped out the puree and it gives it a nice, for at least the passion fruit, a nice like pink hue of a color, which again, like color to some people, it will make you get it or make you not get a drink. I'm not like that, but it's just something to note if you're looking for that color and good flavor. So they're one of the top ones. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, James. <laughs> Th thanks for rambling on about your favorite <laughs> seltzer. Okay. Yeah. So some people might be wondering, well, how does this tie into home brewing? Because we are a home brew podcast. And recently, the Brewers Association has published the first comprehensive guide to making hard seltzer at home. So it's called How to Bake Hard Seltzer, Refreshing Recipes for Sparkling Libations. So if you're a home brewer, you can also make hard seltzer. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I was anxiously awaiting this because I think a lot of feedback that they, they've gotten is like hey like we've seen we've seen how to make hard seltzer and other things like can we can you get a guide out there for home brewers that you know maybe you want to brew something different or you want to take a break from brewing beer and or you can't get the hops so why not make hard seltzer yeah so the guide includes everything from brewing details to guidance around the differing government regulations so if you're you are a um, craft beer or you're maybe a microbrewery that's looking to do this it kind of gives you some information on what the government regulations are, which is great. And then also has some cocktail rep recipes. So it's a great tool for anyone that's interested in making it, uh, whether it's a small craft brewery or just you're a really hardcore hard seltzer enthusiast. Yeah. When I was researching like how to make hard seltzer, because a lot of my friends that love hard seltzer are like, mm -hmm. hey, can you make hard seltzer for us? So like next time, you know, we see you, you can give us some hard seltzer. And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, let me look into it and I'll get Whip back to you. Up. And I was like, wow, like this seems actually really doable. Mm -hmm. Like it's not as difficult as I thought like it would be, but I think getting the proportions of everything mm -hmm. is the challenge and it's lots and lots of tasting trial and error, similar to like brewing a beer, right? Yeah. So I was actually a little bit surprised at that there is a more complex process to it because I always joke to people, I'm like, I mean, I could just make hard seltzer at home. I literally buy seltzer, put vodka in it, and then you have hard seltzer. But there's more to it than that. It's not just making the vodka soda. Yeah, I mean, like, one of the ways, like, I guess so most people would call it cheating, um, is th the option to make hard seltzer at home is you can, what's called blending. And you'll basically take your vodka of choice mm -hmm. or clear spirit, and you'll add water to it um, until it's about 45 to 6% alcohol, which is typically the range that you'll see for yeah. the hard seltzers. However, I've seen people wanting like, no, I want a 10% or I want an 8%. So you could do that, but the normal <laughs> then range. Then you just might as well make a vodka might, Yeah, right. Uh, between 45 to 6%. And then you basically will take that and you'll carbonate 
basically doing different volumes of CO2 based on the batch size that you do. So I think for about five gallon batch, you're going to do about three volumes of CO2. So if you're a home brewer, most of this equipment, like it doesn't require extra equipment. Um, you'll just have use your kegs, you'll use your CO2 with your regulators, and then you'll just grab vodka or whatever and mix it in there. That's the blending technique. I would not do that route. I would go for the more traditional, what you would think, how to make hard seltzer at home, where basically it's sugar, water. Um, you take your gallon, you do basically a calculation of gallons of water, you mix in sugar, and you add a clean fermenting yeast. You let that go, and then... The yeast will then create, similar to beer, it'll get you your alcohol content. Is it going to flocculate, James? Flocculation, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and this is the reason that hard seltzers are gluten-free, because it's that sugar with the clean fermenting yeast. There's no barley, there's no grains or anything in it Absolutely. to make it have gluten. So that's why it's a really great option for those folks who can't have beer. Yeah, so next time someone asks you, can I have hard seltzer? Is it gluten-free? You can say Yes. yes. <laughs> Just say yes. So my question, James, is how do you make it taste like a flavor and not just like seltzer or vodka and water that's been carbonated? Well, so again, there's different routes you can take, right? You can go more artificial. There's concentrates out Mm -hmm. there that you can get. Uh, And really like the reason why a lot of companies are using these artificial concentrates instead of using fresh fruit is because shelf life. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be in a can. It's going to be, you know, on shelves for X amount of time. I'm sure cost plays a factor. Oh, absolutely. Well, concentrates can be expensive too. So I think that's one of the misconceptions as well Mm -hmm. that, you know, they're kind of cheapening out on costs. But I think it's also to get the best flavor and have a consistent quality, right? So when you use fresh ingredients like fruit, uh, it can degrade over time. So you really need to consume that ASAP Mm -hmm. if you use real fruit. You can also use flavored vodkas. So again, if you're going to go the blending route, that's kind of how you could get your flavor in addition to using fresh frozen fruit. You can also take fruit and cold steep it in alcohol, which I would recommend before you do carbonation. That way um, you're not going to risk any kind of contamination. You're going to let that alcohol kind of get all those things off the fruit. And it's also going to kind of preserve it as well. And you want to do that before carbonation. Wow. That sounds like something I could do. You could. Maybe we'll have to try it. It's like a sangria, but it's like... Yeah. 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 Well, if anybody out there has made their own hard seltzer, feel free to share with us. So Shannon, I got a game for you. A game? A game. Well, it's not really a game. It's more of if you could have a hard seltzer... What perfect flavor would your hard seltzer be? Oh, gosh. Um, hmm. Well, I like fruity things. So. So f- you want fruit in a hard <laughs> seltzer. Wow. That's like saying Original. you want uh, alcohol in your beer, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you could make like a mojito flavor or something. That's not really fruit. That's more, Or like lemon. Technically, it's a fruit, but it can be more tart. So, um, hmm. What would I want? I don't know. What are the options? <laughs> if there was like endless possibilities. Well, I did see that recently um, someone came out with a pumpkin spice seltzer. I was going to say, and do you I want don't, pumpkin spice I don't think seltzer. I want that though. I don't know. I like my pumpkin spice lattes and my Starbucks cold brew with pumpkin spice in it. But I don't know. A seltzer might be a little bit too far with that. So I would say I... My favorite polar seltzer is cranberry lime. So maybe 
something with cranberry and lime in it. Although that's not as fruity as you would expect. I don't know. I like, or I like like tropical sunrises. So maybe something like that. Okay. Orange juice and grapefruit and then the grenadine and stuff like that. I don't know. Something fruity and tropical. I think uh, my friend asked me, what kind of flavor would you want a hard seltzer? Or if you could make one, what would you make? And I go, beer. And he just kind (laughs) of chuckled. He's just like, yeah, you would say that. Like, yeah, your perfect flavor of hard seltzer would be beer. But actually, I would say guava. Like, I think it's one of those fruits that Mm -hmm. I think I'd do a guava peach, maybe. Especially, like, being in the New England, I think, like, fresh peaches would just be so good in it. I don't think New England, why I think peaches, though. I think Georgia. (laughs) That's true. It is, like, their state fruit. Right? True. I think New England, I think, like, apples. Maybe that's what I was, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Apples, yeah. Apples and guava, though? No, no. Definitely it would be guava and peach, but I think apples is where, where my head was going with the New England part. Okay, okay. I mean, that could be peach and guava could be good. No, it's, or like a, I, I know like a lot of people like sours, so I would do like mm-hmm. something that pushes the boundaries of yeah. hard seltzer and something sour, like a sour patch hard seltzer. Oh, no. I just got like, my mouth just started like, you know, like when you eat something really sour and you like get that feeling in your mouth. That literally just happened to me when you said that. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I know a lot of places are starting to do watermelon, um, and I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. I haven't found one yet, though, that's as watermelon flavor as I would like to have. In a seltzer or in, in a beer? seltzer. In a okay. seltzer. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to go guava peach. I'd and say I'm guava go... peach, yeah. You'll, I'll go guava peach, and then you can just go I'm gonna go pumpkin tropical... spice. No, I'm going to go tropical sunrise, but seltzer. All the flavors of a tropical sunrise in a seltzer. There you go. So before we wrap up today, we recently were able to try out a product from Gish Pack. And why don't you tell us what that was, James? Yeah. So we're always looking for new and exciting, not only products that, you know, that craft beer drinker could kind of use to either enhance their brew day or enhance just going to the craft beer store or just like cool gadgets that, you know, or going to a party and you can be like, hey guys, look what I've got. Yeah, but not like you're going to go to a party these days. Well, uh, yeah, but, but if I'm you're going to do a virtual. Okay, post COVID. Post COVID, yeah. So the Gish Pack. So essentially what this is, is it's basically a carrier for your craft beer. And right now it's in a four pack. So you can fit either four cans, bottles. We t- did a lot of recon with testing of all different kinds of bottles to see like how dynamic of a product this is. And you can use it for all different things. And the greatest thing about it, it fits. It's about the size of your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can put it in your pocket. You can put it in your clutch or your purse. Wow, clutch. Yeah. That's clutch, <laughs> right? Clutches. That'd be like the catchphrase, right? Like this is clutch. Yeah. Yeah. So it folds up, it's collapsible and you can, so you can fill it up, go to your destination and then once all of the beer is consumed or you've given it to whoever you're giving it to or put it in the fridge then you can just collapse it up and it stores very neatly yeah and brian who's uh the creator of this he uh had reached out to us saying like hey like i came across your podcast like you guys like would you be interested in like testing this out take a look Mm -hmm. at it and like let me know what you think and lo and behold there we go we got it and we tested it out and I think it's great for when you're going to the local craft beer store where you get to like mix and match. You can pull singles like those kind of places because then you can try different beers. And then you're also 
Like, so we're big about sustainability and being eco-friendly and this product, like you just get to reuse it. You just collapse it, put it in your pocket after you've like unloaded your beer hall, you know, cash of, you know, your four pack of beer and you're ready to go and you can just reuse it over and over and over again versus getting those cardboard, um, carriers Mm -hmm. or other, you know, plastic that could go in the ocean and kill dolphins. (laughs) Yes. So we actually had the opportunity to speak with Brian, its creator. Um, so yeah, we're cool. here with Brian, uh, designer and developer of Gishpack. How's it going, Brian? That's going pretty good. Not too bad. How are you guys today? Doing good. Doing good. All right. Yeah. So why don't you just start us off with letting us know what Gishpack is and kind of where it came from? So I wanted to create something that was uh, more sustainable and had a sleeker design than what I was seeing on the market for like four packs and six packs. So the idea, like, oh, I'll try to take you guys back like five years ago or so when I first started to come up with the idea. I noticed when people were going into parties that, you know, they'd show up with the cardboard carriers because maybe they just came straight from the store. Or if they were coming from their house and they just had a few beers left over, they would throw them in a plastic bag or, you know, like a pack t- or those or those plastic like click on pack text for like cans or whatever. Yep. Those are like the three main options that I, that I saw a lot. And I'm just sitting here like as an, you know, observing this and I'm just like, well, those cardboard carriers get thrown away. The plastic bags get thrown away. Those pack text break down over time. I'm like, why isn't there something more like sustainable and reusable? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got to thinking about like, you know, we have coolers we reuse over and over. We have growlers we reuse over and over. But there was not that version for cans and bottles. That's what was missing. So I set out to design um, something. I basically made a little three three thing checklist. And I was like, if I can create a product that carries both cans and bottles, it uh, will last for years. Mm-hmm. And it'll fit in your pocket. If I can meet those three criteria, I think I have a product that stands out from what's on the market. So I created a prototype out of wood. It was not pretty. <laughs> it was just very, very crude. Uh, it had like it had straps um, on it that like like little like um, stretchy band straps that were gonna hold the beer in. Like it, it's not what it looks like today. And so I took this thing to an industrial designer. Uh, and I basically said, Hey, I'll pay you to create some CADs mm-hmm. to like make it a little beautiful. The whole concept was there. It just needed to look beautiful. And I was like, so he ended up doing some work on it. And then, uh, we would send his, the CAD files off to a rapid prototyper and they would print the parts. We would assemble it and then we'd play around with it to see what we liked and didn't like. And then we'd change those, you know, those features in the files, send them off to get printed again. And we did that 17 times, wow. just kept going back and forth. Yeah. 17 times over about two and a half years. We did uh, creating it, and then uh, finally we got to a point where we had a finished product, and we were like, "All right, let's take it to market." So, <laughs> so this is not something you've th- you three D printed in like your house or your apartment, correct? No, the prototypes were three D printed um, elsewhere, but mm-hmm. these the current ones I'm selling online are manufactured. There's a um, 600 pound tooling machine that basically the the plastic gets injected into, creates the parts, and then they get assembled after that yeah like like you said like we were just talking about how you know you go before post you know before covid -COVID. (laughs) pre-covid how you would literally like you said like you'd either have you know the plastic bags you'd bring a bulky backpack with you that you'd then have to throw on someone's floor and just the whole time you're like all right am i gonna get my yeah where's my backpack or you had like the sustainable option or the only option like 
where someone that you know gifts it to you where it's, you know, a big wooden block that you put your, you know, cans in, which was great because, it you know, the sustainability, but it was just a big thing to carry around. Yeah. Sure. Very bulky. Yeah. And that's what I was seeing. Everything you just mentioned is exactly what I was seeing. And I was like, why can't we have that big block thing fit in your pocket? <laughs> I was like, why can't we take the whole, you know, the whole concept of sustainability and put it in your pocket? And, that, and that's why it took 17 prototypes because we kept everything we tried would make it too big or it wouldn't hold the cans or bottles right. So we just got to keep playing around with it. And so, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting and frustrating time trying to uh prototype and create it but i'm glad it turned out how it did yeah i think i think the best feature honestly is that ability to put it in your pocket my brother is famous for leaving things places so <laughs> i was like this would be great for you because you could just literally put this in your pocket and you don't have to worry about it all night and then when you get home you don't have to be like oh shoot i forgot that at someone's apartment now i have to get in touch with them and I figure out when I can go get it. So I think that's a great feature um, that I haven't seen before. So that was absolutely. Great. Cause I mean, that's why I, I, it was like going, it was these pregame parties. Like, you know, I kind of just threw out the general term parties, but it was like the pregame type parties that I was always getting into where it was just like, we're just going to meet up one place and then end up somewhere else. And that's where it was just like, you know, it wasn't like you were staying one place all night. So when you're moving around, that's when I noticed people were like, bring plastic bags because they could throw them away or just as you mentioned like people just leave their coolers or backpacks or yeah. wherever somewhere and then they have to like call the person up to, you know hey can I when can I stop by and get my stuff <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's like you know or you just lose it and never know where the heck it ended up but yeah so there's just so much that went into like making sure that this thing could you know be as functional as possible and as portable as possible and was the four pack the ideal size for the goal to get it in your pocket or has there have you ever tried doing more than four like a six pack the four pack came about because we definitely were looking at it fitting in your pocket mm -hmm. now that being said uh we have like started to work on a design that will carry six so it'll be about it'll be the same thickness approximately uh maybe even a little bit thinner because we're looking at different materials we can use but it definitely won't be any like thicker it'll be about the same height and they'll just, the main thing that'll change is it'll be about two inches longer mm -hmm. uh, just to be able to fit that extra can and bottle in there. So it basically uh, the diameter of a can is uh, 2.6 and diameter of a bottle is 2.4. So they're off by 0.2 inches, which mm -hmm. is why the, the rings had to fit the cans, but then also they had to be able to decently secure the bottles. Mm -hmm. So what we can do is we can, t we can shave off a little bit of some of the design in the middle um, to basically instead of expanding it by 2.6 inches, we'll be able to expand it by about two inches. So yeah, so definitely we have thought about it, but it, the six pack version will basically be the same exact thing, but two inches longer. Right. Yeah, I think we, yeah, we're, and we're really, working on it. We don't, it'll be like probably it's not coming out anytime like crazy soon. It'll probably be like 20. I mean, everything going on right now is just, <laughs> it's, it's hard to predict. I don't even want to predict anything at this mm -hmm. point, like with, yeah. with supply chain and like when we'll be able to get some of these things done, but like 2021 ish uh, for a, for a six pack version. So it's in the works, but it's not ready yet. Cool. I think one of the things that I like the most out of it is you can't, it's at first I'm like, all right, this is just going to be for cans or like, you know, like the holders will only fit certain size cans mm -hmm. or, Oh, I can't bring a bottle, but like we tested it with everything all in the same. So we had like a couple bottles, we had the tall can, the short can, and it's deceivingly like good. Like <laughs> I was shot. Like, I mean, like that's a really good feedback point, but it's like, was exceeded my exactly exceded my expectations 
because I was like, awesome. I, I was like, oh no, this bottle's gonna wiggle around. Like, oh no, I bet the bottle's gonna wiggle around. Like, for a can would just sit nice and mm-hmm. you know tight, but it didn't. It was perfect. Like, it wasn't juggling around. Like, you know, it wasn't top heavy. Yeah. Um, so it's just like very well put together. So kudos on that. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's what happens when you do like seventeen rounds right? of a prototype, <laughs> where you're trying you... to like swing it around. You know, like... <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. You try to swing it around. You like, you know, you, uh, you, you like walk up steps, you jog up steps, you like just with every version we had. And, you know, you just try to find out what the weak point is in that mm-hmm. prototype. And then you try to hold all of your other variables constant while you change that one thing that, you know, that you want to fix, hoping that it doesn't affect another variable. And you're just doing that over and over again. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. So I'm glad all of that paid off. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I, I noticed like a lot of your videos that you've been posting on your social media recently are just hilarious like different things you can do with it and running it over with your car was probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen where it's like hey you want to <laughs> see how tough our thing is like let's run it over with your car like I was like that's awesome like that's awesome absolutely I had a whole like little um campaign if you will of how to use your gish pack during social distancing because right. people weren't really going to parties. So I was like, well, what can I do? So there was this whole thing about like different ways to use it. So we had to create like an art with it by laying on like, a canvas and spray painting it and like, Hey, you can create art. We, uh, we took it to, um, my friend's farm and I forget exactly what the distance was, but let's say it's like 50 feet. He takes it for with a bow and arrow. It was like, you know, the caption for this one was like target practice with your gish pack. He takes an arrow from a 50 feet and shoots it and hangs the gish pack. That's just basically sitting on like a grass wall. He gets it right in between the handle and like, you know, and it starts swinging around in the middle of that. So <laughs> we were just doing all these like funny, like crazy videos and, uh, mm-hmm. You know, see, and one of the, it's funny you say like the, the car one people like, and the, uh, the other one was when I, um, was trying to figure out, okay, if you had to drop, if you had to give beer to a friend, but didn't want to get within six feet of them, how would you give them beer? So what we did was we found a, uh, like a speed parachute that like athletes would use. And we tied a, we tied a parachute like that to, uh, the gish pack with four beers in it. And we dropped it out of like a third story window. And then it just floated, it floated down to the, uh, to me at the bottom. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's different ways you, the, the videos are great and we found different ways to use the gish pack. Yeah. The, the ping pong one was clever too. I was like, that's yes. perfect. You just got to get enough of them to uh, make it happen. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So where can our listeners find this if they are interested? Currently the only place to get one is, uh, at gishpack.com. So that's G I S H P A K dot com uh we do have some breweries that have purchased them but they're kind of like scattered so they're, they're not really consistent like some here in like one or two in cincinnati there's one in new york that we just shipped to so um hopefully they will be at a brewery near you soon but for the current moment uh most people will just be able to get it at gishpack.com awesome and now this is one of those products where i'm like i could totally see this on shark tank uh i heard that you might have a story with that well, I definitely attempted to get on the show. Spoiler <laughs> alert, I did not. But I do want to share uh, what that process was like for me because I tried to win them over and still couldn't. I was like, what do I have to do? <laughs> so um, I I went to a casting here. It was at um, one of the breweries here in Cincinnati uh, called Rheingeist. And it was last July. So July 2019, uh, they came in and you know we're just looking at local people. So I go there, I pitch the product in front of this lady. Uh, Cause you, you know, there's like different rooms. So you only get to pitch to one person, but mm-hmm. the room I go into, I pitch this lady for about three minutes. 
And I left her a prototype and my contact information. And she says, uh, if you get moved to the next round, you hear from us within a week. If you don't, then you haven't been moved on. So the next day she leaves a voicemail and sends me confirmation through email that I got moved to like the second round. And what I ended up doing was I had one week to create a video and, and give it to them. And then I'll also with uh, mailing my prototype out to LA. So I'm like, I have one week to figure this out. Like, what am I going to do to impress them? So I immediately printed off the confirmation thing. And I went to our local aquarium here in Cincinnati, uh, which is the Newport Aquarium right across the river. And I basically said, Hey, listen, here's this letter from Shark Tank. If, if I want to get in your tank with eight foot sharks and prove that my product can survive the sharks, will you let me don a wetsuit and get in that shark tank? And uh, the guy basically was like, uh, well, first of all, you're not getting in that big one. Uh, he's, like, he's like, he's like, but we have a two foot, we have this little uh, uh, pool, touch pool that has like, you know, the 18 inch or two foot sharks in it. You, you know, <laughs> let me see if I can get you in that one. He says, I, there's two levels of above me. I'll have to get approval on. So he ends up getting back to me the next day. And he says the guy above him was going to let me get in, but the guy above that guy turned it down. So now I'm left with six days to try to figure out how I'm going to impress these people at Shark Tank. So I then booked uh, for the following day, I booked the ticket to go skydiving. So that's what ended up making the video. So I ended up basically I didn't call ahead to ask if I could do this. I just was like, I'm going to figure this out ahead of time. I'm just going to like, you know, go up there and hope that it happens. Because if you try to get too bureaucratic or whatever, it's going to just, you know, it, it won't work. So um, so I went up there and I booked the ticket. I get there and the guy's like suiting me up to jump And you know, they just had these like harnesses that go on you. So my pockets are still exposed. So I was like, Hey, listen, can I have this product in my pocket? And then, you know, I'll show, I'll show me putting it in my pocket before we jump. And then once we land, I'm going to pull it out and I have like a line to say, are you cool if we do that? <laughs> he's just like, he thought about it for a couple of seconds. Cause I, I could tell he's probably like, well, this thing falls out of your pocket at 5,000. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, gonna at the bottom, somebody, I'm like, yeah. What's going what's gonna to happen? But anyways, um, he let me do it. So I put it in my pocket, show me putting it in my pocket. I jump out, we land, like you come, I don't know if you've ever been skydiving, but in this particular place, you come in, you like slide on your butt. So like we came in, we like slid on our butt and, uh, and this, the, you know, this other guy comes running over with the camera. And then that's when I pulled out of my pocket and I go drink and have fun pocket when done. And then something maybe online to like the sky is the limit on where you can take the gish pack, you know? And so anyways, I had this thing and I put that. Yeah. And so I put that in, uh, in my shark tank thing thinking, oh man, there's no way that they can't like at least... <laughs> take me to a third round, right? Or whatever. Right. And, but here's the challenge. As I mentioned, I didn't make it, but the thing was, is that I had placed the manufacturing order in March of 2019 and it wasn't going to arrive until January of this year. So we haven't started, we didn't start selling until this year. And what I had to basically say in my video was that, Hey, even though I went all crazy and, and stuff and jumped out of a plane for you guys, I pro product won't be ready until January. And I think you're trying to film in like you know, November or whatever it was. So it was like, I basically had to say, I just, I just have a prototype right now with a, with a product in process of manufacturing. Right. And I think that kind of hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> so, probably, yeah. Cause like, you know, you ever, if you, you know, if you watch the show and you're familiar with it, all those companies are pre-established and you know, have traction and everything like that. And I basically had to be like, Hey, I still, you know, I haven't finished my manufacturing yet. So what it was though, was that it was a great experience to, you know, to do it again. So I was actually hoping, you know, COVID obviously they didn't do the their rounds again this year because of all that but you know i do have that experience of making that video and kind of what the process was like so i'm gonna keep trying i think it's pretty badass that you can say like yep this thing i skydove with it and it, mm -hmm. it fit in my pocket so there you go like there you go <laughs> yeah. right and and we'll make some more like i said once we uh once like you know 
we'll have some more cool videos and stuff that we'll be able to do. I think once we, we get a little more um, access to places and stuff like that. So, but uh, hopefully I'll try to, I'm going to go back to the aquarium. Maybe you'll see a shark tank video someday. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll so. go, go through the evaluations and they'll be like, yeah, you know, you don't even have a manufacturing yet. And you'll be like, actually, yes, I do this time. I'm like, yes, I do. I am ready for you. I'm now. ready. I'm ready, Kevin. I'm ready for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, well, it was fun though. Definitely fun. Awesome. Well, before we uh, end with you, we want to thank you for joining us. And do you want to plug your social media channels? Yeah, I mean, right now uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, and both of those are um, at Gishpack, so G I S H P A K for Facebook, and then for Instagram, there's just an underscore in there, so it's G I S H underscore P A K. So just Facebook and Instagram for the moment, um, as we're you know expanding and trying to figure out what the next step's going to be. So uh, so yeah, and then obviously always at uh, Gishpack.com if you want to buy one. Awesome. Go check that's out. great and if you want to also check out our instagram page we'll have uh the gish pack on there so you'll be able to just find his account just through ours if you're you know a little technical not challenged, sa- challenged <laughs> i would say just click the link on our our page and you'll get to get there so yeah well thanks brian for joining us nah thank you for having me on it was fun thank you for listening to this week's episode of double hop beat podcast follow us on our instagram for our latest home brewing and craft beer adventures Direct message us at Double Hot Beat Podcast to share your experiences and become part of the pulse of brewing. You can also listen to us on our website, www.doublehotbeatpodcast.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Cheers by rating and reviewing us. This, this has been Double Hot Beat. Beat. Catch, Catch you on the brew side. side.